Amen. Well, it's good to be home after a couple of weeks of vacation. It's good to see you. It's good to be standing here again. I've had, had, I have had people tell me that it went really well while I was gone. And believe it or not, that's a real blessing to me to hear that. And I'm, I'm especially grateful for uh, Pastor Kim Holloway and Pastor Rex and everyone that filled in. I just appreciate so much what continues to go on here at Grace Point. So it's good to be back and glad to hear that things went well. There's a few things I wanted to, to mention to you before, before I get started this morning. One is that one of the things that was going on when we got back was upward evaluations. Friday night and yesterday morning, um, the guys had the upward evaluations, and there were a bunch of little kids out here uh, being evaluated and put on certain teams. And I just, I was just so proud of our guys. Ash and your guys, I was so proud of, of how they handled this whole thing to restart upwards, especially soccer or soccer right now. I just wanted to tell them that. Could, could we give them a hand? Thank you guys for, for the way that you've handled that. It's just a blessing to me to see it all happen. Um, also, I want to encourage you and, and, and say another thing that, and add on to what Pastor Carla said, that if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. What are you thinking? You need to be baptized if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So and if you've followed him and haven't been baptized, this is a great opportunity next Sunday afternoon. It's a wonderful setting. Uh, just let me know. Just let me know. If you can't make it to the, to the um, baptism class tonight at 5 o'clock with Pastor Rex, let me know and we'll make it possible for you to be baptized too. It's a great opportunity, great afternoon. And then finally, if you'll remember, we, um, we took an offering a few weeks after the earthquake in Haiti and you gave $17,000 to be sent over to Haiti. We sent 7000 initially, and those $7,000 were used for a variety of things. Um, one thing they did was it, they helped, the, they used part of our money to help open a road that, that had been closed and, and piled with rubble. They helped open a road to a remote area that needed some attention. So that, they used part of our 7000 for that. We also bought many tents for people for shelter, there wasn't, uh, there, there isn't a lot of shelter there, and the rainy season was coming, so there, there people are living in a lot of tents. So we provided a number of those with the first initial money we sent over. We just sent over the rest of the money, the other $10,000, to Steve and Linda Weber. And what they're going to do with it, I, I am just so excited about this. Steve and Linda, they tell us that in the country of Haiti, there's 94% unemployment. And a lot of those people that Steve and Linda are working with are homeless. They were business people, small business people, but they are homeless now. And so Steve is going to use that $10,000 and other money that, that you may feel, feel led to send or other people may feel led to send to start what he calls a revolving loan fund to help business people get back on their feet and to start making a living for their families. Is that cool or what? The money that you gave will be, will be working for hopefully years to come as they, as these people receive the money, get on their feet, 
Pay it back at no interest, by the way, and it will continue to be used to help other people get on their feet. I am so excited about this. This is God working, and God led Steve and Linda Weber and the people that work with them to come up with this plan, and they used our money as seed money. So I am just so thankful for what you, what you were able to give and how the Lord is using it. If you feel led in the weeks to come to give more money to that that loan fund, please feel free. We will send every dime of it that you give that's marked Haiti. We'll send every dime of it to Steve and Linda, and they will help more and more people. So we're just grateful. Another thing he said, and I don't know if, if we can help with this, just some information, is um, one of the things they need, uh, they need four-wheel drive vehicles, older model four-wheel drive vehicles, 1998, 99, 2000, around that. Um, Rob Ford's... Um, Oh, whatever. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And if you if you know of someone that wants to get rid of one uh, from here in Fort Wayne, there is a way that we can find somebody to drive them down to Miami and they'll get them over to Haiti. But these are some things that they need. They need four or five four-wheel drive vehicles that cost in the neighborhood of whatever they cost, if we, could, if we could get those together and send them down. If you, if you happen to know of one, just let me know. So good things are happening because you were faithful. Isn't God good? Isn't he good? We're just thankful for what God's doing in Haiti through Steve and Linda Weber. Well, as you know, I've been gone a couple of weeks. Had a good time in England. They made me leave my accent at the border. They said I couldn't come in with that accent, so I left it at the border. We spent some good time with my daughter, Christy, and we just had a good time of rest and relaxation. I was able to read and study quite a bit. I enjoyed that. Things happen in our lives. Events and experiences happen in our lives. It happens to all of us from time to time that give us pause to stop and reflect. Reflect on life. Reflect on where we are at this point. Reflect on where we may be headed. Things happen in our lives that help us, cause us, if you will, to reflect. Some things have happened in my life in the past few months that have caused me to just reflect on what's going on with me and in me and through me in these days. I don't think you'd call this a sermon. It's a talk. Let's just talk. Can we chat this morning? Back on June 6th, we had, I don't think we said anything about it, but Carl and I uh, had our fifth anniversary here at Grace Point. When that happens, five-year anniversaries, maybe it's because I lived in Russia and they're big on five-year plans, you know, through the Soviet years. So the five-year five year anniversary caused me to reflect And think back on the years that we've been here and what's going on now and what God just might want to do in the future. And as I thought about what was going on here and what has happened at at this five-year anniversary, I I was thankful. I was thankful for the things that have happened in different people's lives in in the life of this church. I was thankful for the way that God has been working in the lives of families, for example. There are some specific people who came to mind that made me thankful that God is working in their lives or they are allowing Him to. It also made me anticipate, anticipate what is to come. There is so much potential wrapped up in this body of Christ, the anticipation of what is to come. But it also, as I thought about it, 
I feel like God gave me this, if I can call it, holy unsettled feeling. This holy unsettled feeling about the potential that's wrapped up in this body of Christ that is being unrealized. Because you and I sometimes are not all that God is calling us to be. This holy unsettledness. My fifth year anniversary. Another thing that happened recently that caused me to reflect was I looked around and I saw again, I know this is not new, but it hit me again that my two daughters are gone. I looked around and it's just Carla, me, and the dog. My girls are gone. And it magnified that when we were in England with Christy. And when we were there, she was, she is on her own. She is her own person. She is grabbing life and trying to decide where God's leading her. She's finishing up her master's degree and getting ready to start a second one. I said, is there a job anywhere in your future? So it just struck me again that, that this girl has moved on. Kara's home with us this weekend. It's just obvious to me that that girl has moved on. And it caused me to reflect. To just sit down and and, and look at at that aspect of my life and reflect. It made me thankful. It made me thankful for my girls. And how God has worked in their lives. And how He's leading them. And all the experiences we've had as, as a family just made me thankful. It made me anticipate. Anticipate about what's to come. What is going to happen in their lives. Where's God going to lead them? I can't wait to see. And I must say that it caused me to have a little holy unsettledness about what's out there. You know, with girls, when they get a certain age, guys come around and all that kind of stuff. It made me a little nervous and unsettled about that. But as I reflected again on my girls and, and, and the whole situation of them moving on, I thought, where, where am I going in life? What's next for me? But really, I guess the thing that happened that caused me to think this way more than anything else of late is um, on May 13th, I had a physical. And um, a yearly physical, and, you know, no big deal. It's just at my age, they poke and prod and do all this stuff that is not very comfortable. And um, at the end of the physical, the doctor says, anything else I can do for you or help you with? Now, you'd think I'd learn by now that when he asks me that, you keep your mouth shut. You don't say anything else to the doctor at that point. But I said, well, you know, now that you mentioned, I've got this little pain right here in my back. It's, it's, not, it's not excruciating. It's just kind of a dull ache. and It's just, it just bothersome. He said, oh, let me check that. So he poked and pushed and all this kind of stuff. said, let's check that out. So he ordered an ultrasound for me. A couple days later, went in and had the ultrasound, and the lady, the technician that was doing the ultrasound, we had a nice little conversation as she was doing this ultrasound, and she was finished and, and packing up her stuff, and I was getting ready to leave, and I said, well, can you tell me anything? She says, well, I can't do that. That's for the doctor to tell you. I said, well, just tell me at least one thing. Am I pregnant? <laughs> she said, I can tell you with 100% Accuracy, you are not pregnant. You see, that's, that's all I knew. I thought that's the only reason they use an ultrasound. <clears throat> so a couple days later, the nurse calls and says, the results are back in, and it looks like you have a mass on your kidney. 
I said, well, what does that mean? A mass on my kidney. So I tell my ex-nurse wife, and I get all of the worst-case scenarios. Get on the Internet and get all the worst-case scenarios. And she's saying, she's saying the best that can come from this is blah, blah, blah. And I go, great. So I'm trying to decide how to say goodbye to my daughters. I'm trying to decide, do I have enough life insurance and all of that stuff. The nurse says the doctor wants you to have more tests. He wants to schedule a CT scan. So we scheduled the CT scan a few days later, and it happened the Friday before Memorial Day. It happened Tuesday mo- or Friday morning, Memorial Day, 8 o'clock. Well, I didn't get the results till Tuesday afternoon, and we're just, we're just freaking out. What's going on with my body? And it's hurting again, and, and maybe it was my mind, but it even hurt more after I knew that there was something in there and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to decide, you know, how am I going to, Live, live my last few days or few months at the church. Man, boy, I can really tell you some good stuff here when I'm standing up here in my last few days. <clears throat> and the CT scan results came back and they said, um, you have a, a little cyst on your kidney and maybe a couple of kidney stones, which I guess under the circumstances, a best case scenario, I guess, or at least one of, at least it was good news. I said, well, what do we do for that? They said, you just, nothing, you leave it sit, and you live your life, and every year come back for your physical, and we'll poke you again. But I've got to tell you, brothers and sisters, for ten days, I was reflecting on life. And I was asking God, how do you want me to live my final whatever it is? Where do I go from here? How do you want me to spend this last segment of my life? Then the good news came, but those thoughts remained. Now I'm thinking, Lord, I've got a decade, maybe a decade and a half of ministry, full-time ministry left. How do you want me to end how am I going to, to serve well and end in a way that pleases you? And as I was reflecting on all of that, there was one verse that kept going through my mind. I kept reading other passages of Scripture. I kept reading other books. But this one verse kept going through my mind. And I believe with all my heart that the Lord has placed this in my spirit. It's found in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Right in the middle of that passage is the verse that keeps going through my mind as I sat and reflected on what's next for me. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against those of of the Aramaic-speaking community because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now they weren't saying that waiting on tables was beneath them. What they were saying was that wasn't their responsibility. Someone else needed to take that on. Brothers, verse 3, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. 
This proposal pleased the whole group. And then there's a list of the seven men that were chosen. Verse 6. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a, number of, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The verse that has been rattling around in my mind that I can't get away from for me as I ask God, how do you want me to end? Is verse 4. We will, the disciples said, give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. I just felt like I needed to share this with you this morning because it's going to affect me. It's going to affect my schedule. It's going to affect what I do from now on. I believe God is leading me into this for the rest of my life. Because I sat and reflected, because of this health scare, if you will, the first thing that's going to change in my life, now I'm, I need to apologize, I know this is about me, um, come next Sunday, it'll be about you, okay? <clears throat> the first thing that I'm going to do that's going to be different is I'm going to take better care of my body. I believe God has spoke to me and said, you need to be more careful with how you manage your body and your health. I didn't used to care about that. But you see, when I don't care for my body, Carla is affected. She has asked me through our married life, more so since I've gained more weight, but she's asked me through our married life, would you, would you do a diet with me? Would you go on a program with me? And I never have. She tries, she fails. She tries, she fails because she's at it by herself. And so the other day, a couple of weeks ago actually, now I don't know how many, maybe four or five weeks ago, she asked me, would you be willing, now that she has this thing hanging over my head, this health scare, she said, would you be willing to do Weight Watchers with me? You see, now this is no commercial for Weight Watchers, this is just what we're doing. And I said, okay, we'll do it, let's do it. So it's changed how we eat. It's changed some exercise. You know, you exercise because you get so many points a week. And if you exercise, you get more points. So I want all the points I can get. So I exercise more. So it's kind of a game they play, I guess. In the last five weeks, I've lost 12 pounds. Carla's lost 10 pounds in the last five weeks. Now, I'm telling you this because this is going to change my schedule. And from now until the day I really go home to be with the Lord, I am going to exercise and watch what I eat. That's going to take some time out of my schedule. I need you to know that that's going to be a priority for me from now on. And I pray that it will be a priority for you too. You know, um, I want to finish strong and well. And I want to be as healthy as I can to do what God's calling me to do. And I've been neglecting that in the past. And from now on, it's going to be different. The second thing that's going to change in my life is, Chuck, I want you to give your attention to prayer. 
Now, I know having said that, some people are thinking, you've been talking about that off and on for a long time. I know, I know I have. But the Lord has powerfully brought this back to my being these days. I want you to give your attention to, the, to prayer. And so what's going to happen in my life is I am going to, to schedule specific time for prayer. Now, in the past, haven't you been doing that in the past, Pastor Chuck? I have been in the past, but it's kind of come and go. It's here and there. But now the Lord is seem, seems to be saying to me, or clearly is saying to me, you need to spend more time, specific, scheduled time in prayer, in intimate fellowship with me. So I just want to tell you that I'm going to spend more time in the prayer room. I'm going to spend mornings with the Lord because God has said to me that I am not spending enough time praying for you. God has said to me I have not spent enough time getting more intimate with Him. In the history of God's kingdom, nothing significant spiritually has ever happened until and unless someone prayed. Just this week, I heard somebody tell the story again about the Asbury Revival. I don't know how many of you heard of that, but the Asbury Revival that happened at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky in the early 70s. It happened at a chapel service, just a normal chapel service on a college campus. Uh, Spontaneously, a professor got up in front at the beginning of the service and repented and confessed some things. And that kind of broke everything loose. Students came up and started confessing and repentance. And that revival went on unbroken 24-7 for two weeks. There were people praying in that revival. There were, there, were, there were people testifying for two solid weeks. At the end of those two weeks, a bunch of students got in cars and went across the country to testify about what God had done in their chapel service. One carload came to Olivet Nazarene University about two years before I arrived as a student. And revival broke out at Olivet, too. As this man was telling the story this week, he told what happened before the revival. Before the revival, one young lady, one student on campus, weeks before, got this burden that she wanted an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on her campus and among her student friends. And she started praying, God, pour out your Spirit in this place on our campus. She got five of her friends together. They started praying together, God, fill us with your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit in this place. Then they decided to each get five friends. So soon there were 30 young ladies praying, God, Fill us with your spirit and pour out your spirit in this place. One day they went into the chapel. It was just them. They went into the chapel. They all knelt at the altar and were praying for God to fill that place, to fill them. And all at once, they all stopped praying. Nobody said it's time to stop. They all stopped praying and stood up. All together, they looked around. They noticed we're all standing up. And they just decided, God said, you're finished praying I'm going to pour out my spirit. And they left. The next morning is when revival broke out. You see, brothers and sisters, nothing happens of significance in the church unless and until somebody prays. And I'm talking about 
agonizing in prayer. I'm talking about praying your heart out for something to happen in your life, in your family, or in the life of this church. So I believe with all my heart that God has said to me, Chuck, I need you to give your attention to prayer more than ever before. So that's what I'm going to do. The third thing that's going to change in my life is, the, is how, how much time I spend in God's Word. Chuck, I want you to give your attention to the ministry of the Word. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, Father, and a light to my path. It lights our path. It gives us wisdom. It tells us the secrets of life. It is true. It is honest. It is a comfort. God's Word is what needs to get into us like never before. And I'm just, I'm just feeling that God wants me to spend more time in the study of His Word so that He can use my mind and my mouth on Sunday mornings to speak His words to His people. Lord, how do you want me to end? Where do you want me to go from here, Lord? And the Word comes back. I want you to give your attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. You know, I think this is coming at a good time because many of us have been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place. And I know that it all doesn't hinge on me. I know that. But something does. And if I get this, brothers and sisters, it could be the step that we've needed for the breakthrough to come here at Grace Point. It could be. And if it's not me that triggers the breakthrough, maybe it's you. Chuck, I want you to give your attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Another reason why I think this is a good time for this to happen is when a new pastor comes to a church of the Nazarene, he has has, put in place for two years. At the end of those two years, the district superintendent comes back and does a, a review with the church board and the pastor. And if that goes well, he, goes, he gets four years. He's approved for four more years. And every four years after that, the district superintendent comes back and he has a review with the church board and other leaders of the church to see how things are going. In one year is my next four-year review. So this is coming in a great time because if you don't like the direction that your pastor's taken, you can feel free to speak your mind next year to the district superintendent. Isn't that great news? Until then, I can't get away from this, that God is calling me to take better care of myself, to spend more quality scheduled time in prayer, and to seek Him through His Word like I've never sought Him through His Word before. God's Word says, come near to me, and I will come near to you. God's Word says, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. God's Word says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. My God has been faithful to me. And in this time of reflection that I have been going through, He has clearly said, Chuck, now's the time to get deeper than you've ever been before, so that I can use you in ways that I haven't been able to use before. Now's the time. Brothers and sisters, things are going to change.
in my life. I just wanted you to know that. Many of my mornings, I need you to know this, will be spent in prayer, reading the Word, and exercise. And then get on with the day. Just need you to know that. Will you pray with me? Lord, I know this has been pretty much all about me this morning. But I thank you, Lord, for the way you have been speaking to me in your still small voice these days. Thank you for those events, those experiences that have come into my life in the last few months that, is, that you have used to help me pay attention more and listen to you. Father, we are your people. We need you. So Lord, I pray again that your Holy Spirit will be poured out in this place. I ask, Father, that each person here this morning will sense your presence in their life and draw close to you. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help them to spend more time in your word too. Lord, we need you. We bow before you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, somebody asked me, Pastor Chuck, what does it mean to you for somebody to be a member or a regular attender of Grace Point? What does that look like, Pastor Chuck? And apparently others have that question too. So August 1st is just a warning. August 1st, first Sunday of August, the title of the message is what it means to be a member of Grace Point. So I'd like you to show up for that because this is going to be about you. This was about me. We want to close our service this morning by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. But before we do that, I just want to spend some time in prayer for the needs of the church. Perhaps you have a burden on your life that you've been carrying that you'd like to just come and pour out your heart um, this morning. Please do that if you'd like to come at this time. We also want to pray for our teenagers who are, even as we speak, riding in three vehicles to Philadelphia for their mission trip. I want to pray for them. And I just want to also pray for the ones that, that need a physical touch this morning um, and, and, and uh, the, the people that just need a special touch from the Lord. So as I begin to pray, if you'd like to come and kneel at this time, please do. Father, I want to start this morning, Lord, by praying for our young people that are driving, traveling to their missions trip. Would you protect them, Lord? And even more than that, Father, would you help them each step of the way to sense your presence and your approval and your guidance on their trip? Would you help them, Lord, to be effective for you on their mission trip? And that you'd speak to each one of their hearts and draw them close to you. I pray for the rest of our team group that, that, that it did not go. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with them this week too. Help them to sense your presence right here. And Father, I also pray that you would be with Grace Point South this morning as they're finishing up their service. Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully through Pastor Javier. Fill that place, Lord, too, with your spirit. Father, there's many people that need a, a, a physical touch from you. We think of Sister Elmer Brown. We ask, Lord, you touch her. I ask, Lord, you be with Sarah Holland Boltmeyer, Lord, as she is struggling physically these days. Would you touch her? I pray for Sherry West. Lord, I pray your, your physical touch upon our sister Sherry. 
pray for Margaret Paul, and I also pray for Lydia Nelson, Lord, if you touch her today. Would you encourage her heart today, Lord? Help her to feel your touch upon her body. Father, there's so many others that need a special touch from you. I think about our brother George Og, Lord. I pray that you would touch him these days. So many more. Father, we pray for those that are shut-ins, Lord. We ask for those that, that you would go in, into their rooms and be present with them this morning, Lord, as they are shut in their room. Lord, help us not to forget them. Well, Father, here at Grace Point this week, we once again have had the illustration of the cycle of life. We first pray that you would be with Dave Treach in the death of his father. We ask, Lord, that you would be close to Dave and his family. We ask that you would hold them up and comfort them, Lord. But we thank you that Dave's father is with you today, and we praise your name for that. And Lord, we also are grateful that you have brought new life into Jessica and Rob Dill's family. Thank you for Robert Thomas. And I ask, Lord, that this young, the young baby would grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he would see Jesus in his mom and dad. Father, we also pray for our military personnel, those that are serving in harm's way or are preparing to do so. We ask, Lord, that you would go to where they are and that you would surround them with your protection and your peace and your love. Help them right now to know that their church family's praying for them, Father. Lord, we call out their names. We pray for Matt and Brett and Jim and Donald and Liliana and Jeffrey and Jeff and Jamal and David and Jacob and Tony and Brittany. We pray for Brian and Phil and Israel and Nick and Les and Sean and Jeff, Javier, Jay, Nathaniel, Christina, Jason, Josh, Brett, Douglas, Scott, Carol, and Les. Protect them, Lord. Bring them home safely. Father, we pray for our country. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out across this land. I pray for President Obama. I ask, Lord, that you would... You would speak to his heart. Lord, help him to know the direction you want him to go as the president of this country. I pray the same thing for our governor and for our mayor. Lord, we just pray that that you would help our leaders to hear your voice and obey. Help us to be the kind of citizens that you need us to be right here to lift up Jesus Christ in our community, Father. And Lord, we pray for all of the, the service organizations that... That, that serve us, the police, the firemen, the EMS, our school teachers, and on and on, Lord, all of these people that, that are, that some of them are in harm's way. We ask, Lord, that you'd be close to them and bless them. Father, for the rest of this summer, we pray your protection upon our students. I pray you give the teachers a good rest. Lord, I just pray for your direction in the lives of this body of Christ. Father, we love you. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, Lord, would you prepare our hearts? Would you help us to commit again to your will and your way? And we thank you and we remember what Jesus did for us through his death and resurrection. Those of you that are coming to help uh, with the Lord's Supper, please come at this time. As we continue, Lord, to bow before you, preparing for your Lord's Supper, we ask, Father, that you would move in and out of these rows 
and touch each person at the point of their deepest need. Yes. Prepare our hearts, Father. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.